Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do every Thursday from 6 p.m. Eastern time till around about 6.30 p.m. And it is a way for us to broaden the reach of the work that we've done and the communications that we've done through our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. This medium allows us to extend our reach and to have what amounts to a dialogue mm -hmm. with audience members. And so you can write to us and share a story, your own story of loss and healing, or you can write to us and you can share a topic that you think it might be good for us to focus on, mm -hmm. or you can recommend a guest. All of these things we are greatly appreciative of. And if you do write to us with your own story, please let us know if it's okay to share on this podcast, and if it's also okay to share in terms of the the text that you send us and our response to it, because we'll soon be building a, a newsletter where we're going to be sharing right. some of the some of the letters that we get in our responses. So some people like to read in addition to or instead of watching or Listen. listening to a podcast. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. All this information I'm sharing in the beginning appears in the description that accompanies the broadcast or the replay. So you can also support us in a number of ways. You can support the work we do through Venmo, PayPal, monthly subscription, this program is also a friend of Dakin Humane Society, which is in Springfield, Mass. It's a, it's a shelter system that not only adopts animals who have been rescued out to community members, but it also provides a whole bunch of different programs and resources, one of which is a pet loss support group that I facilitate once a month over Zoom. It is entirely cost-free to participants, and you can Zoom in from anywhere in the, the world. world. In fact, we have people who come from all different parts of the world. And the next one is November 14th at 6 at 6 p.m. Runs 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. We also put a cap on the on the RSVPs because we've gotten so many of them that we're trying to make sure that the group doesn't become overwhelmingly large. So if you're interested, please do RSVP by clicking the link and going to Dakin. And it would be great to have you join us if that would be helpful for you. Please also consider pressing the like button on YouTube and or subscribing. This is really helpful for the program because it allows other people who are looking for this kind of support to find the program more readily. So please consider subscribing on YouTube. If you find this program useful, it will help other people to find the program as well. And then one further point that I'd like to make is that yes. we recently created an affiliation with a business that's called Bereave. And Bereave makes these very beautifully crafted granite plaques that display the image of your beloved lost pet and the dates very much like a grave marker would be. And you can use it for a grave marker because it, the product comes with a stand or you can use it however else you might like it on a table perhaps where you keep mementos. We have received one of these plaques and they they really are beautiful and, and very substantial. So if you think that it may be helpful for you, 
please consider going to Bereave through the link on our program. And if you purchase the plaque that way, then you're also giving some measure of support to our program as well. And? And there it is. <laughs> There's the plaque. It's really it great. It's heavy. Yeah, it's very it's beautiful, though. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So, so I brought it upstairs to show everybody. Yeah. So Nancy, you want to get us started? Yes. Um, so tonight we're going to um, share Nicole's story. And um, and Ken had come up with the um, title of it because of what she went through with her beloved cat, Callie, who died, and her dog, Luna, who was very ill. Um, and at the same time that Callie was dying. So, um, but I will start and then we'll talk about it. Hi, Nancy and Ken. My name is Nicole. I'm a new listener after the death of my beloved cat, Callie. I found your podcast after reading your book and both have given me solace in such a hard time. Since I've gotten so much comfort from other listeners' stories, I wanted to share my own. And that is so true. Writing it and sharing it is really cathartic. I adopted Callie in 2014 during my second year of graduate school. I've had pets most of my childhood and always wanted one of my own. At the shelter, I found a two-year-old beautiful brown tabby girl with white paws and a fluffy belly. Her placard said that she had been there six months with numerous scribblings from uh, volunteers about what a good cat she was. When I went into the room to visit her, she seemed friendly, if not effusive. Still, something in me said she was mine, and so she came home with me the same night. That first night, I learned she was incredibly affectionate, cuddling with me as we fell asleep. Maybe she just needed confirmation that she had been chosen to open up. Regardless, we started our journey as cuddle buddies for the next 10 years. Since that night, Callie was by my side for so many formative events in my life, finishing my PhD, starting my career, new relationships and accompanying breakups, six apartments, and ultimately the purchase of my first home. With exception of a few short interludes, it has always just been her and I. Every time we moved, we built our new lives, from assembling furniture to finding new favorite purchase perfectly suited for napping. Everyone that she met loved her, but she and I always had this special bond. She was truly my soul cat. About four months before her death, I noticed more frequent vomiting and a slowed appetite. She had always been a good eater. At first, I attributed it to stress from a new dog in her household. I had adopted my boxer, Luna, a few months before, and their integration was going slower than I was hoping. Still, I took her to the vet. In retrospect, I wish the vet had been more concerned along with me. All they saw was a previously overweight cat getting to a healthy weight and sent me off with an anti-nausea shot. The shot seemed to help, and she ate normally again for a while before it waned again, and she started losing more weight. I tried multiple new foods, treats, anything. She continued to lose weight and vomit. 
We went to the vet office again three months later to find that she had lost another three pounds. This time the vet shared my concern and we went through the standard test to diagnose her. Ultimately, an abdominal ultrasound found the issue, a colon carcinoma that while not likely metastatic was partially obstructing her colon. As a scientist, I quickly consumed every article I could find, but there wasn't much out there. This is a relatively rare cancer in cats with a poor prognosis. A week and a half later, we were at the oncologist to find she had lost even more weight. I learned her options weren't great. Surgery was the most aggressive choice. However, there were several risks and at best would buy her months, maybe a year. Moreover, the surgery would have cost $10,000. With the previous diagnostic, additional scans, and all the other expenses, I could be out almost $20,000, but only buy my cat a small amount of time. Chemo was also an option, but would likely not be effective considering the tumor and would cause her additional stress. She never loved going to the vet and was notoriously impossible to medicate. Considering my options, I decided to opt for palliative care. The palliative medications, luckily easy to apply ear ointments, made her feel better. Unfortunately, it didn't improve her appetite, but it did allow her to spend her last days of being loved and cherished more comfortably. I had such a hard time deciding when to euthanize. Online guides weren't helpful as besides her appetite and weight, she was acting like her normal self. She was slower than normal, but overall loved attention and seemed doing the things she loved, like hanging out in her cat trees and drinking water straight from the faucet. What ended up being her final days were tumultuous for me, but luckily peaceful for her. One Saturday, a week and a half after Callie's oncology appointment, I awoke to find my dog Luna experiencing a focal seizure that wouldn't stop. Luna ended up spending five days in two hospitals, eventually going to the neurologist and being diagnosed with meningitis. She almost died, but luckily responded to steroids. While she was at the hospital, Callie was my ultimate comfort, cuddling me and hanging out with me on the couch for hours on end. She also enjoyed the relaxing days of dog-free life, hanging out wherever she wanted and getting her owner all to herself again. The evening before I was to bring Luna home, I could see Callie's condition had shifted dramatically. I'd gone to spend a few hours in the office, and when I returned, I could tell she hadn't touched her food, when before she would at least eat a small amount. On top of that, she refused to drink, even from the faucet. Her breathing had changed and she was noticeably weaker. She couldn't jump on the couch without struggling and I couldn't seem to take more than 10 steps without needing a rest and she couldn't take more than 10 steps without needing a rest. I told myself I would call the vet in the morning to schedule her euthanasia and spent the rest of the evening cuddling her and telling her how much I loved her. When I woke up at 5.30 that morning, I didn't find her in bed or in any of her normal sleeping spots. After frantic searching, I found her in the laundry room laying on her favorite laundry basket. She couldn't stand anymore. All she could do was meow at me, and I knew that this was the end. I held her and told her I loved her. Well, I debated waiting for our normal vet to open, but 30 minutes later, she started showing signs of distress. 
I looked in her eyes as they dilated wide, and I told her it was okay to go if she was ready, and then I rushed her to the emergency vet so that um, so I could end her suffering. Not long after she was gone. Putting her down was surprisingly easy. I was focused on making sure she didn't suffer anymore and was proud I was able to be there for her in the end. Part of me thinks she used the last of her energy to ease my pain while Luna was so sick. Once she knew Luna was coming home, she decided it was time to go. I went home without her, then went to pick up Luna and start the next phase of my life without my best friend. While I walked out of the clinic with a sense of relief, now that she's gone, I'm full of guilt, shame, and anger. Callie was only 11 when she died, and I'm angry that we didn't get more time. Why do others get to have their cat for 20 years when I only got half of that? I feel guilty thinking she could have been suffering that last night while I slept and wonder if I should have taken her to be put down the night before. But the truth is I wasn't ready. The decline was so sharp I couldn't process it. My previously sound decision to forego surgery now seemed like cruel neglect. Why was I willing to spend $10,000 on my dog's hospital stay when I wouldn't for my soul cat? But I have to remind myself that the situations were very different. My young Luna was covered by pet insurance, and the treatment saved her life. I didn't have pet insurance on Callie, and ultimately the treatment would only buy a little time if it didn't kill her first. The fact she only lived for two weeks after the oncology appointment seems to validate my instinct that intervention might have been too late. I would have gone into debt in, in a heartbeat if we had the chance at a cure, but that wasn't the situation she was in. Still, I feel ashamed that even with my great job, I didn't have the money available to throw into Callie's care, even if it would likely have been ineffective. Finally, I regret is not discovering it sooner, not pushing the vet months ago when they brushed off the symptoms just because she was overweight and now was at a weight they deemed more optimal. But ultimately, the outcome would have been the same. My treasured friend was going to die, and I held up my end of the deal by taking care of her until the end. Now I'm left picking up the pieces. Not only do I feel so much guilt about Callie, but now I feel guilt guilt as I find myself overwhelmed with Luna's recovery process. I'm ashamed that I'm full of resentment that Luna is here, but my soul cat isn't. I'll never feel her cuddles or hear her purr again, and it breaks my heart. Maybe it's selfish, but can you assure me I did a good job? Did I make the right decisions? I'm so overwhelmed with grief that it makes me feel like I let my beautiful girl down. I've never felt so low, and honestly, I don't know how I'm going to live without her. I know this was long, but thank you so much for reading my story. Please feel free to share any part or all of my story on the podcast. Hopefully it can help someone else that's been in the same situation as me not to feel so alone. And she did send pictures, but we had a hard time being able to have, you know, get them on. Yeah, she sent pictures in a little video, but I couldn't get the video on the broadcast and I couldn't find the pictures. <laughs> so I, sorry about yeah. that. But we thank Nicole. Oh my goodness! And, story. and and as Nancy said, we we built the pro the program this episode around this because her story so poignantly illustrates the distinctions between futile care, which is care that is delivered 
but it it wouldn't po- it wouldn't really do any good. It's just going to be traumatic for the recipient of the care because the illness has already gotten to a point where there is no hope, there's no reasonable hope for a return to good health. And and palliative care is the deliverance of care to provide comfort, mm-hmm. not to alleviate the source of the problem, but to help the animal or the person to feel more comfortable, comfortable through as the they move toward the end mm-hmm. of their lives. Right. And curative care is care that is delivered with every expectation that the patient may survive and return to good health. And so this, her story, it's so wise. And we want to, we want to really assure Nicole that she did all the right things. Absolutely. All the right things, because she, she judged that Callie was very, very ill, was at the very end of her life. And that the way I make sense of this story is that the attempt to do surgery, to do chemo would have been futile. Mm-hmm. She understood that it would have been few. It would have been torment. It would have been yes for for her. She, the cat didn't like to go to the vet as it was, right? And, and right, and so she made the decision to go with palliative care, which I am absolutely sure was the right decision. The right decision. And and then you see the other side of the the other side of health and illness with Luna, who had a right. very serious illness, who had meningitis. But it was very reasonable to expect that the care that was available would return Luna to health. Mm -hmm. And so Nicole made the decision to go with that care. And Mm -hmm. so this is really, I think this is a very instructive story for all of us, because in in this great complexity, she did all the right things. And the other part of it is that she still left. (laughs) She still left with all of the grief guilt and shame and, the, and being upset. And, and, you know, it's very normal. One of the things she said that is really important to note, it's very normal to feel some resentment towards survivors yeah. in the household. Sure. And, and the fact that she says that indicates that she's not going to act on it. You know, it's not like she's going to, she's going to be in any way less giving or loving to Luna, but she feels it. It's a normal human emotion. And so it's a good thing to just say it and put it out there because it then allows you to not feel like it's roiling inside of you. So we really wanted to, we really wanted to emphasize this story because it's just so, it's so helpful and so instructive and it's, it's so careful the way that Nicole went through this. And so it's a very loving story about the very difficult choices mm-hmm. that confront us when our animal companions are ill, gravely ill in both cases. And I want to talk about too, like these decisions that are have to be made. And yes, Nicole, we talked just now that she did the right things. And so, because the question, I spent all this money on Luna, but you know, but I did uh, my soul cap and how upset she is after the fact, right? Um, the money issue is a real issue. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And we all know, I mean, I took Ellie, Ellie had an ultrasound today, right? Mm-hmm. And it was $1,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was one ultrasound. Yes. So, you know, I, it, people have to also understand, which is very difficult, because, of course, we want to do everything we can for our, our beautiful companions However, 
sometimes there's there are going to be economic issues that are going yeah. that are not going to be able to be there. Yeah. You you you, you some people have they 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 credit and all these things that they, they went into debt because they wanted to do that. But ultimately what happens with that is it, it can be very difficult for them on going after, after their beautiful companions has gone. And, and we've heard from a number of veterinarians, a couple who have been on this program we've mentioned, we've had, we've gotten into this point of discussion where they suggest to their clients that they should probably have an upper limit set. Like this is how much my home economy will allow me to spend mm-hmm. if my animal is in need of extraordinary care. And that will vary very much depending on your circumstances. Exactly. But it's a good idea to have a number set so that you, when you, ha- when you hit something like this and hopefully you won't in the life of your pet, but if you hit a dilemma like this, you can recall that you did have a, a limit set. And, and for some people, that limit would be essential because they might not have access to a lot of credit and they might not mm-hmm. have much of a security fund. You know, we're supposed to have a certain amount of money saved for, mm-hmm. for emergency, emergency fund. They may need their money for rent and food, childcare, and yeah. all of that. And so hard, hard decisions have to be made. And it's a good idea to have some sense of what your limit would be. Your, your budget. And also too, if you're if the commitment to our animals is it's always in the beginning, you're, you're thinking, Oh, you know, their puppies are young or their kitties. And you know, we're, we're, it was going to be fine. You know, they're going to be healthy, but we all know that now that animals get older and they may get very ill. And then there's a, there's chronic Mm -hmm. illness or sudden illness, but it's going to be expensive. And so it's really important to try to have or save money. If you're not going to get pet insurance, because pet insurance will be helpful. However, you have to pay upfront. And that's when people get very upset because when they go into an ER and it's going to be three or four or $5,000, they say, but I, we don't have that. So it's really helpful to have some kind of fund um, so that because people would come in. I remember when I did my internship at Blue Pearl and they would find out these big bills. And then what would, would happen is they would try to get care credit and because that's what would be offered. And a lot of times they were denied. And so, I mean, it's just really important because we have to also take care of ourselves in the context of these, these difficult, difficult decisions. And we've, we've also heard sometimes that when they're confronted with these realities, they'll become infuriated at the veterinarians, at the veterinary staff. And one of the things we know is that every, every veterinary program is pretty well strapped. I mean, they're, yeah. they're often working very hard at uh, capacity in terms of what the business is able to uh, tolerate in terms of outlay of services and, and materials and also make a pro, you know, they have to, they have to live, they have to, yeah. they have to make a living as we all do. And so it's really important to think these things through beforehand so that mm-hmm doesn't create a, a massive amount of stress for everybody in the moment when it happens. 
And I also like what you were talking about with her feelings, you know, about Luna, right? That Luna yeah. is alive and Kelly's not alive. And mm-hmm. and I think what you said is is right. You have when you give when you talk about that feeling that you have, and of course she loves Luna. Right. She's she she loves Luna. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But she feels she that feeling is real. And when you say it out loud to yourself and you acknowledge it, it kind of dissipates. Yeah. We all know that she's yeah. gonna, she loves Luna and Luna will have a wonderful life. And thank well, God Luna lived, right? Yeah, we know that if you if you acknowledge what you feel and if you discharge it in some way, mm-hmm. if you say it or you write it down, write it down. You're less likely to mindlessly act it out. <laughs> Right. If we if we know that we're feeling something and we are able to articulate it to ourselves and perhaps to others or maybe write it down, we're less likely to act on it thoughtlessly. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so great that she says, yeah, you know, here I've got Luna and she's with me and Callie's gone and I feel mm-hmm. a little resentment. That doesn't mean she's acting on a resentment. It probably means she's absolutely never going to act on any way that isn't no out anyway that isn't loving toward Luna, but it's good to just, just make it, make it overt. Like just yeah, just say it. Just it's better to say it or write it and get it yeah. out. Um, and the other thing is our lives can be so complicated, right? Yeah, Here she yeah, has yeah. a very ill cat that's now in palliative care, but all of a sudden Luna, Luna goes into this focal seizure. And so things like this happen for us and 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 she so she's torn right she and she did say that 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 at least Callie was there to cuddle her and be there I do believe actually that Callie waited oh yeah I wanted to come back I I I, that's my I do I do believe the more the more years I live the more I think that things are not coincidental (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just seems to be so and and her insight that that happened mm-hmm. is important is is right. valuable and so who we don't know for sure there are things that are un, unknowable because we can't be absolutely certain but insight and intuition are valuable really valuable exactly and look, she. This was her heart cat. We, we all of these stories are so wonderful because these animals go with us through relationship issues and moves, yep. and you know wor- work changes and all of these things that just bind us, yep. you know, to the to that that animal. And so when they when and none of them live long enough. So when they die, and, she, and of course Callie was younger and she was angry about that, rightly so. But when they die, it leaves such a hole. Yeah, it yeah. leaves such a such it's a the hole. end of an era. It's the end of an important connection, a really important relationship, and it's important to just make make that clear to ourselves, and hopefully other people are validating it as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're always going to be with us. They even, are. Even if they're not they physically are. here, they're part of our life story. <laughs> I think about my my deceased uh, pets all the time, my deceased animal yeah. family members all the time. They're, mm-hmm. I think about them every day. And it, it's, just a, it's just a rich part of life, ultimately. Yeah. 
So we're 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 very thankful to Nicole. We have yes, planned to share another story, but we will we will we'll do wait. it. And we'll actually do it in a couple of weeks because I'm going to be away next week, and so we're gonna we're gonna share a taped program mm-hmm. that we think will be of, of great interest to people, and then we'll come back the following week. Yeah, and uh, and we'll share actually Jenny's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take care, everyone. We take will care. we will see you alive in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> take care, Nancy.